You are listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about psychospiritual and psychosocial aspects of end-of-life care. And now, here's your host, Saul. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. Believe it or not, this is our 100th episode, and it is such a special episode for us because it's 100, but we're also in 50, over 50 countries. And guess who is in the studio with me? Come on, Joe. <laughs> well, saw a long time no see. It's good to be back for this episode. Oh, Joe, Looking brother, forward to it. I'm so excited to have you in the studio here as oh. we celebrate. I want to give some awards in this recognition. And uh, I have an award here for Brian. Uh, Brian has been with me here from the get-go, from the first episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we'll continue. So, Brian, I have an award for you here. Let me read it. In recognition of Audio Hive podcasting, your talent has helped us reach 50 countries and more and 100 episodes. Thank you very much. Here's your award, Brian. Thank you. So, Brian, how has the journey been for you since we started recording here? A lot of people ask me when I tell them, you know, I have the podcast studio. Mm. And they say, well, what kind of podcast do you have? And I can, I always tell them, like, well, the very first one to sign up a month after I open, he's been recording every week for two and a half years now, is about death. And dying. <laughs> and that's why I say, I kind of joke with them, like, yeah, every Friday for about an hour, we talk about death and dying. And they kind of look at me funny every time. <laughs> and I tell them, but no, it's, it's, it's like information, it's educational at the very mm-hmm. least. And mm-hmm. not working in hospice myself, it still helped me. My grandmother passed away a couple months ago. I just felt like I had a better sense of what to expect. And I feel like it's helped me process things, even just as a, you know, casual listener, not somebody that's in the industry, so to speak. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and you've been an amazing help, man. Uh, the second award I have here is for my brother, Joe, uh, reaching listeners in over 50 countries, certificate of appreciation awarded to Joe Newton. Thank you for your dedication, visionary guidance, and exemplary hosting skills. Your outstanding efforts have made the difference in the growth of the hospice chaplaincy show. Thank you very much, my brother. It's very emotional to know that you've asked me to participate in this a couple of years ago. Yeah. And to think of the growth that this program has developed over that time, and to think that I was part of it, who always I always thought of myself as just this little bit of part in it that Saul did so much work and so much to get going. And the dedication and the desire to put together this program. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am blessed. Blessed with you as a friend and my brother. And blessed to have been able to be part of this. Uh, I'm so proud. Thank you so much, Saul. This is... You, you went beyond what I thought, and so thank, thank you. Thank you, my brother. You've been a blessing to me. You know, I don't know how to show much affection, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've been a blessing. Just for the sake of our listeners, let me just give a little background of the uh, the Hospice Chaplaincy Show podcast. Um, just like any vision, uh, from, for many years, uh, I've always had a passion to produce content for the benefit of hospice chaplaincy work. Mm-hmm. And this is born out of a context. Many years ago, I was doing my clinical pastoral education uh, at a hospital in Elmhurst, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And in that hospital, I was placed to be 
uh, in the hospice division. So I was mm. the hospice chaplain, but as, as a student in my residency. During the course of my chaplaincy there with that hospice that was attached to the hospital, uh, there was a period that was the most frustrating. Uh, the supervisor, almost every Monday, she would come into her office and say, so uh, your documentation is terrible. Hmm. You know, uh, please make sure you improve. And I ask her, what is terrible about my do documentation? She's like, you, you have to figure it out because you're not documenting properly. Your documentation doesn't meet our standards. Because I was do I was more generic. Chaplain visited the patient and prayed for the patient right, in basic. Right, right. And then I went to my CPE supervisor, Father Mike McMillan. I'm like, Father, uh, the hospice supervisor keeps telling me that my documentation is not proper. Can you help me? What am I missing? Can you teach me? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what she wants. <laughs> so the following week, so I would try. You know, uh, the following weeks you call me back. So you've not made any progress. Your documentation is terrible. So I decided to go online. I could not find anything on hospice mm. chaplain documentation. I looked for hospice chaplain groups so I could share my dilemma and my problem with them. I could not find anything. Then it, I realized no hospice chaplain should ever go through a situation like this that's where right. they feel alone in the world, mm -hmm. in a profession they love. I almost quit. I love seeing, I love the visits, but I wasn't doing the paperwork that was meeting the hospice standards. So I almost quit my clinical pastoral education. So I searched, I couldn't find anything. So I decided I'm going to try to develop this documentation, mm -hmm. this paperwork. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, I succeeded. I, I said, I'm going to develop a group for hospice chaplains around the country and provide a platform and to provide free resources so that no hospice chaplain in the country should struggle. And that was the genesis of the, the blog and now the podcast. So in, in 2019, now coming back to the podcast, I wanted to do this. I wanted to podcast. But every time I Googled podcast studios near me, they were downtown Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not a fan of driving downtown. If you mm -hmm. live in, yeah, if you've never been to Chicago, it's a busy place. It's hard to find parking. And if you do find parking, it's too expensive. That's right. <laughs> so this is what I would do from February of 2019. Each week, I would find a space in a public library. I would rent a conference room and record on my phone. You know, every week. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. So, but every month I would check podcast studios near me until from February to December. Then I saw Audio Hive in Joliet. I'm like, Joliet is 45 minutes for me, but it's better than going downtown. Yeah. So I came and booked an appointment. And um, so I'm, now that I booked, I'm like, okay, who do I, who do I invite? That's when I approach Joe. <laughs> Who should be my first guest? <laughs> and so you invited me. <laughs> then I'm like, John Newton, yes. Really? Yes. And you're like, yes, I'll do this. Then you came and our first topic was what we love about hospice chaplaincy. It, absolutely wow, right. remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was not even, no, I never thought I was the first. In yes. Your, in, the, in the first 
the first beginnings. Wow. Yeah. So, so do you still have those original recordings that you did on your phone at the library? I would check if I was talking about it. I think maybe we should release those as bonus episodes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, I bought a nice mic. I had my headphones. I would, you know, go on. on I had an online app. I would sit there and just record and just record. And uh, so when we, we did our first episode here with Joe, uh, my initial idea was to produce, you know, a content, educational content. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember that. And then uh, uh, the pandemic, you know, the, right. <laughs> the second week, the, the pandemic hit and there was shelter at home. It was chaotic. Mm-hmm. Just when we just got into the studio in February 2020. That's right. And we then went uh, and did it virtual. Yes. So and I brought back the microphone today that we used that on. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> so, so it is really hard work, and I I feel really blessed that to, you know to journey alongside you guys and up to this level now. Uh, when you look back, um, uh, what 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 have you learned about yourself and about our work? You know, I've had to learn the the hard reality that my way isn't the only way to do things. Yeah. You know, and I look at uh, the hospice chaplaincy and I I see what is going on with those that we talk to, those in the past. And, you know, they, you know, I would have been, you know, I would, I could have been as cynical to say, you know, that isn't the right way. That's yeah. not the way it's supposed to be done. But we listen to their stories. And we heard about all of them coming from different places in life, you know, much the same as you, Saul. Yeah. Uh, looking back at your life, and how that contributes and really sets the stage for how you do ministry. And you know, how dare I think that they didn't do it? I mean, I never said it to anybody or anything, but I'm like, you know, what are these people talking about? Yeah. And what? But they're doing something that is important, and. They're trying with the hardest meanings in the world to help others who are in a very challenging time to make decisions. Yeah. How their faith is can be such a comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're there and to help those who are in need. Uh, Brian, I know uh, Joe and I, we've been in hospice for years. For years. Uh, for you, you've never been in hospice, but you've been part of 100 episodes. W- what have you learned? When my grandfather was uh, in the hospital when he was dying, mm. this was on my, my mother's side, and my mom was dealing with all of the people calling, asking what's going on. And I remember probably a couple episodes where you guys talked about how people are just afraid to say the word he or she is dying. Yes. Like they shy away from it. They don't want to say. And so my mom was getting really stressed out because all these people are calling and they're like, well, what's going to happen? And to my mom, it's obvious her dad is going to die. Right. Yeah. But she didn't say that. And I think I actually, when she was kind of telling me all this stuff, I was like, have you actually just like said flat out to them, he's going to die or they're dying. She's like, no. And I'm like, well, some people I think maybe just need to hear you say that out loud. From what I've learned from the hospice chaplaincy show, I think that maybe we need to acknowledge it a little more bluntly and just say it outright, you know, like what is happening? And it was, I think, for me personally, like just being able to approach death and dying a little more straightforward. 
Um, it's been a, a and when the honestly when the the podcast started too, I hadn't really experienced a whole lot of it close to me. Mm. My dad passed away 20 years before that when I was a teenager, but since then, nobody really close to me. And it's really just been in the last year that all of a sudden it seems a few people in my immediate family have died. I've often thought that like your podcast, while it's geared towards chaplains and training and everything, that the general public, there's things that they can learn from it too. And I, and I recommend it to people. Yeah. Well, you know, from my perspective, from what you just said, Brian, it just means the world to me to hear that you learned something and that you were not afraid to open your eyes to this, this reality that you're now shared with, you know, your family and others. And, and that's the whole, I think that's the whole, one of the whole purposes of this hospice chaplaincy show is to have people open their eyes to see what the the dying process is about, and it's not mm. something to be afraid of because we're all going to be doing it. Yeah. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, you're willing to share it with others. I mean, I feel like, you know, you've, we've done our work here at the show. Yeah. Really. In fact, the, the, the primary objective, yes, is to bring the topic of death, dying, and grief to the main street. Absolutely. You know, so people can understand. And Bran, you articulated something powerful about language. Yes. Yep. You know, in our culture, we are afraid to talk about the language of dying. Mm -hmm. If somebody has died, we say they passed away. And um, you have to be <laughs> specific. You know, they expired. You have to be specific. <laughs> they died. <laughs> and all those things really help. Yeah, they met their expiration date, finally. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, it's a, it, I mean, it just lightens my heart to think that that there could be others out there that are doing the same thing, saw that all of a sudden say, you know, that's not something we need to be afraid of. And I, yeah. you know, I, my mom will be turning 99 in October and we talk about death all the time. And, you know, she's very comfortable. Yeah. You know, she doesn't talk about it with the other, my other siblings, only with me. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because she knows the others. The others, the others are, you know, they're like what Brian was saying, you know, well, you know, the friends that called her mom said, how are things going, blah, blah, blah. And they're afraid to say, you know, uh, and we're afraid to say to them and too, because it's not really being blunt. It's just being honest. Yeah. And we don't always want to hear honesty. It's important to be honest. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that would take a little break and we'll be right back. Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Sole Bem, and we continue with one, our 100th episode here. I'm with Joe. Uh, Joe, yeah, what, uh, in the period of recording, you know, you coming with me to the studio. I know it was my dream and I'd prepared for this for a long time before yeah, you, right. but then you found yourself in the middle <laughs> of it. So what did you learn? Well, I, le I learned really quickly that I had to run fast to catch up to you. Yeah. I mean, you were so <laughs> far ahead of me in what was going on in this program. And that's why I felt at times that I was, you know, I was slowing things down and was not, you know, I wasn't doing all that. I mean, I'm just... But then I realized that there was a purpose for me to be here. Yeah. And I tell you, I, you know, when we, you asked me to come and be part of this a couple of weeks ago or so, 
I started going back and I even started looking at, I didn't listen to all the episodes, but I looked at the names hmm. that we had. And there are two that stuck out to me. Hmm. Paul Nash, yeah. the, 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 the pediatric cl clown, <laughs> hospice <laughs> chaplain extraordinaire. The guy, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking of him and how yeah. games and how, you know, these are for kids, but no, it's for all of us yeah. to play. Yeah. And I found his approach to hospice was absolutely incredible. I remember I was coming to the studio that Friday and I was feeling down and I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Nash zooms in from England, and it was funny. Oh, and all of a sudden, oh, it was <laughs> everything changed. He was this amazing clown, and mm -hmm. everything changed. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, it, he is—he is a special, special man. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, you know, I just wish that this program had enough money that it could take us over there to do shows over there. Yeah. That was my hope and prayer. And uh, the, the hospice that started it all. And the chaplain we spoke to there, Andrew Goodhead, and listening to him talk about the history of, of hospice and well, everything just, the, the, the whole concept and how many, you know, we think, we look at the hospice. I, you know, keep track of what's going on at Angel's Grace and, to think that it's, you know, oh, it's raised now up to over 140 patients. Uh, and then you talk about St. Christopher's, and it's got thousands. <laughs> I mean, they've got it in the system there. Yeah. And it's not the system here because we don't have that education. Yeah. And, I mean, to hear them talk about it, and and to him it was just natural. Here we still have to prove it. Yeah. And to think that that's a natural way that doctors look at at how people's disease is progressing mm -hmm. and what they think is the best for them and to say, okay, I think you shouldn't be considering hospice. And I, I bet you over there they don't even question if they should or not. Yeah. Okay, we'll go into that. Yeah. It doesn't happen here because we have so many families who are, uh, as we just talked about, uh, afraid to talk about death. Yeah. And I think his... Those are two people, and there's a third one. She was our pagan pri priest. Episode 52 with our Right Kamen. halfway through, yeah. She's a pagan uh, priest. Priest. Yeah. So, yeah, you said she touched you deeply. Oh, my goodness. I just, you know, I, I listened to her talk about all of the, the nature mm. and the stars and all of that. And I've... You know, I, 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 I've, that's very important to me as a, in my faith. Yeah. And to know the, the, how grand and immense and how unimaginable our God is. And then, uh, because I really didn't know that much about paganism mm. until she spoke. You know, all I, all I can remember hearing about paganism is, is that it was, you know, Witches and mm. evil. Yeah. But she and, brought some positive oh, energy brought, behind she, that. She yeah. cleared all of that away from my mind. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I've been, been 
doing my share of streaming on Netflix. Yeah. And there was a program on there about the uh, uh, the fight in England way back in about 1000 AD. And there were Christians and there were pagans. Mm. And how the pagans were, you know, discriminated against. And they were the worst and all that. <clears throat> and I, you know, it was interesting to hear that. And then to think about what I learned from Ms. Clement. Mm. I, I even told you, I remember when I left, when we finished that recording, I, you know, as we were finishing the recording, I told her, and I really meant it sincerely, that if I were dying, I'd want her to be my chaplain. Yes, I remember that. Yes. And I know that took her off. I think that surprised her very much. Yes. But it was so true. And I still believe that. Except, yeah. of course, you, Saul. You can be there, too. <laughs> but you know what I like is over these 100 episodes, we've met chaplains from all, all different over. backgrounds. That's right. We've met uh, interesting people. One thing I know you haven't mentioned her, but there was one episode that we recorded with Susan Wortley on her book, An Energy Healer's Book of Dying. And I remember uh, you, you enjoyed that so much. She zeroed I'm, in on you there. I'm, 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 that one is, that just doesn't come up in my memory banks. Re keep reminding me of that one. <laughs> no, she was an energy healer. And uh, spoke about practicing, you know, um, energy healing and all that stuff. I don't so, know where it tripped my trigger. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But, you know, I enjoyed, um, I remember we met uh, the Catholic female priest, the episode with Marilyn Myers on woman priesthood. Um, yeah, that, yeah just... that, that really, uh, that was powerful because, first of all, I've been in ministry for so long. I didn't know that there was a branch of Catholic I didn't know uh, that was... ordained women uh, as priests. But that's so uh, not against, that's so against Rome, though. Yes. And her story and her mm -hmm. calling to ministry, everything about that episode was really, really powerful. Um, it touched mm -hmm. me deeply uh, to know that within this uh you know, there's this vibrant group of female uh, women Catholic priests ministering. It's powerful. What I've learned, you know, um, initially the, the idea was to interview hospice chaplains around the country. Right. Because I wanted the stories of chaplains to be out there, you know, the incredible work. But, you know, we come into this work with our own stories. Mm -hmm. And all our guests, whether they were chaplains or authors in different fields of death, dying, and grief, they come into this work, uh, first of all, as a calling. And and beyond that calling, they, they come with their wounds, mm -hmm. you know, and they mm -hmm. allow, you know, uh, the people they take care of to touch their wounds too. And they minister from that sense of woundedness. I've seen almost everyone come on the show as a wounded healer. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, uh, you know that I'm big on stories. Yes, you are. You know, I grew up in Africa, and in our culture, when in, in my childhood, we did not have uh, televisions. Mm -hmm. So every evening after dinner, I would gather in the compound, and the elders would light a fire, you know, nice big fire. And we all sit around the fire, and then they would tell stories. And, that uh, that uh, had to be incredible. Incredible, yeah. The stories would be dramatic. They would mm -hmm. be funny. It's like you're watching a movie, and uh, I fell in love with story. 
And even now in my practice, I look at myself more as a narrative therapist. I think mm. when people can look at uh, their lives and form a story, I think we heal a lot through story. And that's why when a guest comes, I love to hear their stories. I, and, and a combination of theory you know, and story is powerful. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, going back to the people that we've met and the stories we've heard from from all of them, uh, you know, there's been some real deep hurts that we've heard about, yeah. some really angers and uh, hopes and dreams about where they see their ministry or what they hope that will provide others. Yeah. Well, that will take a little break and we'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Solebem, and I'm here with Joe. You know, many of you, if you don't know Joe, Joe used to host here with me. And uh, Joe, it's really a blessing to have you in the studio today, man. Well, this, uh, is, this is delightful. I, I'm looking I, forward to it. <laughs> so uh, where do you see the future of the, the practice of hospice chaplaincy? I know you're retired from that work. But, right, but uh, I, 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 I look back, you know, you always have to look back at where we've been. Yes, and I, I think about the, the beginnings of this and doing virtual, you know, uh, our virtual sessions together uh, during COVID. And I'm thinking, you know, things, we look at our world now and everything seems to be different. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, though I'm not in part of the day-to-day -day activity of a hospice, I wonder where we're heading for in the future with that. And And my... My hope and dream is is that we find ourselves being able to still visit our patients because we still run into times where you can't because mm. of their illness and because of COVID. Yeah. And are people going to get too accustomed to us just making a phone call? That concerns me. Mm. And I looked at I hope that we can get to that 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 opportunity to be able to sit by the bedside or in the living room at the kitchen table where you can sit there and look them in the eye yeah. and answer questions, tell them your story, listen to their story. And, you know, because I fear that I, as I was looking at the past that we've lost a little bit of that. Mm. And hopefully people who will listen to this will respond and say, no, 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 no. We're even doing more than we have in the past. And I hope that mm. that is where we, where we lean towards and go towards because that's me. That's my ministry, how I feel as a, it's a personal one-to-one -one connection with whether it's the patient, the patient's family, uh, however it is. That that is how I hope that we continue to do this in the future. I think I think yeah. I think the the, the ministry of face-to-face -face is always better than uh, trying to connect with somebody over the phone. Oh, I th I think uh, I think the practice is always better in healthcare when there's the practice of presence. Absolutely. Being there, sharing space with the patient and talking. Because sometimes over the phone, it's hard uh, to read the person fully well. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting there in each other's space, 
I think you're able to touch each other in 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 deeper ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, even if the practice of telehealth has been extended by Medicare Medicaid up to I think 2024. Oh, really? Yes, uh, but I think you know face to face visit. I think that's the core of hospice ministry mm-hmm. is face to face visit. Well, I've noticed that it's uh, as I've gone with my my dog to various facilities that they're filling up again. Mm. There are more and more patients yeah. going into these uh, nursing homes, uh, memory care units, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And because people are now going back to the doctor because now it's all over COVID. COVID is kind of hopefully slightly winding down a little bit, Yeah. but people are f- getting the care that they need. And now they're going to, which means that they're going to be needing hospice, which I've seen that with, with Angel's Grace, that the uh, the there's are there are more patients in there there, and I think that this could be a good time to be able to still teach the significance of hospice, mm. and not just to be able to have numbers and to make money, but to have the care for the people. Yeah, I think numbers. People get too much excited about numbers. Yes, and, but. If the if the patients are not being taken care of, then that's a problem. That creates a crisis. Yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, as we spoke, mm, ungodly amount of time on on the need of good spiritual presence, and mm. the and not and sometimes feeling that we're like an afterthought. I mean, that's just where I think we need to wreck still. Do a lot of work on that recognition about the the spiritual side of yeah. of a person's bo- life. So, um, you've been visiting patients in nursing homes with your with your dog. Yes. Yeah. How is that going? Uh, Saul, I. You know, you, you know, you must know me. I mean, I just don't, I just don't bring the dog by. I talk to people. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do so you... I get to talk to them and yeah. I mean, I don't, certainly I, I don't inform them that I have any kind of a spiritual presence. Yeah. I can't do that, but I do let them know that I'm a presence and I bring yeah. the dog and people are thrilled to have the dog there. Yeah. They just love to see the, see my dog and she's very good. She's very friendly. She's very, and Besides that, cute, all that good stuff. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of people in these facilities that have had dogs and now they can't have them. Yeah. And they just love to have be able to have the time to touch. And during that time, you have the opportunity to uh, ask questions, see how they're doing. Mm. Uh, you know, am I, am I stepping on your toes? I don't think I am. You know, when I start talking about when I talk to folks. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a set of patients I go visit. Yeah, I just go in a facility and I talk to everybody. You talk to everybody. Yeah, I That's know powerful. some. Yeah. I know some of our folks that are in certain facilities that I go to visit. Yeah. Uh, recently, I saw our 108 uh, year old patient there in uh, Lexington, Mabel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she loves she loves Gracie too, and she of course loves to see me. Yeah. And she is a remarkable lady for 108 and still. <laughs> so, <laughs> so still there. <laughs> so when you go, I know um, with the pandemic, many facilities were oh, no, closed for yeah. pet therapy. Right. But right now uh, you find that. I've never stopped. Not oh. even questioned. Yeah. I just walk in. I have my mask on. 
we we go walking in and sign in and do all the stuff that we have to do to be let in. Yeah, never been refused. You know, somebody our listeners who've been with us for a very long time, they know Joe's uh, old dog Mizuno. Mizuno, so, yeah. But this this is a different dog now. Yeah, I have a a Bernadoodle, and her name is Gracie. And the story goes that when we picked Gracie up and trying to figure out a name. I said to my wife, Barb, I said, you know, by the grace of God, we get this dog. And that's where the Gracie came. Mm. And look, at this, the, look at this spiritual man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Gracie just is a one of the most affectionate dogs I've ever had, if not the most affectionate, and just uh, responsive and excited and you know she knows what to do now she really does by yeah. by walking in there and seeing these people i mean and she gets excited when we go there now and um she gets you know when i put my pet therapy shirt on and she she knows what it is she might not be able to read it but she knows what the shirt is and it's time to work and it's time to go to work she gets excited <laughs> and she runs to the truck and we come jump in and we go oh man it's great I was so happy, man. That, that oh, yeah. touches my heart. <laughs> uh, that's right. And, I mean, it's to see the faces of these folks that you go and visit is just such a, you know, it's a reminder that, you know, we just because they're in a facility doesn't mean that they don't have, yeah. you know, that they have life. That's important to remember because exactly. how, if you got into an American nursing home and, and you see the people there, you might think, you know, this is, you know, but there's a lot of life there. Exactly. And exactly. those are people who are once strong like us. Yeah. And once went to work and had tremendous careers. So it's important to always value humanity. Regardless I have, I have of to where tell you the story that I went to yesterday at a, a different facility. Yeah. And I walk in and, and there, the residents are, getting a time of uh, just news, you know, news of the day. They were sharing the, the the activities person was, and I walk in, they let me in and I walk in and we walk around and meet all the people and they're just giggling and having a great time. Well, I then go down to the memory care unit and along the way there, there's a, there's a, a room where the women get their hair done, a hairstylist. And I look in there and I know both, I know the, from having been there so many times, I know the, one of the women who was in a chair, I, in the chair, getting her hair done. And I think she's on a different hospice. She's not on ours, but I mean, this, this woman has been there for years. I mean, this was, this is a woman I knew way back in the day. Mm. And then there's the other lady there who is new, a new res, a new resident, a new patient of ours at Angel's Grace. And I've known her before she came on, and I'd see her. And, mm. and I always, I'm always amazed when people look at me and they recognize me. And this woman looked at me and waved her hand and said, <laughs> "Hi, how you doing?" And I'm like, and so I went, I sat down, and talked to her, and brought Gracie in to see her. Thrilled to see her, but you know, she's in memory care, so you're always thinking, "Oh, she doesn't know who you are," mm. but they do. She remembered you. They do, and. It's, you know, that's the power of the hospice because you go in and you make yourself a presence and, and you bring something into them that they don't get every day. Mm. You get yeah. that, that 
acknowledgement and that time. And you can, you know, you might not be able to pray with them. You just might be able to say hi, or you could have a great lengthy conversation that they're going to forget the next minute. Yeah. But for that moment, that is a precious time. Yeah. Powerful, man. What are your final thoughts now? My final thoughts? You better keep this going, Mr. Obama. <laughs> uh, it is by God's grace. By God's grace. <laughs> but this is so needed, this program, this show. Uh, I mean, you've covered so many topics. We have. You have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember the one topic that we had, it was about uh, sex and aging. Oh, yes. And you kind of forget about that as you get older, or you forget about that 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 is still part of who we are when yeah. they're and we have to be aware that that's can be going on and we need and if one of our patients is in that situation yeah. it could cause all kinds of problems especially in memory care because you know you know the, the filters are gone <laughs> but i mean that you know that is something again for people to hear about, especially in this hospice program. Yeah, that was a good episode. That was a uh, very educational in terminal illness, uh, Doctor yeah. Ann Ann Kans. That was powerful. I remember. Yeah, that. that I, just, I don't even have to look. I noticed that. <laughs> but you know, to to say thank you, Saul, is not enough for this opportunity. Uh, don't. Forget me. I cannot, man. You've given me one more dream to record this in England. Yeah. <laughs> You've given me one more dream. That would be And that's something so we have to do. That <laughs> we should, yes. Yes, that's something we have to do. But thank you so much, Saul, for being part of my life. Appreciate it. Thank you, my brother. Nice seeing you. Uh, guys. We were celebrating our 100th episode and also being in 50 plus countries. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Keep listening. Blessings to you. <laughs> Bye. This show was brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. This episode was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Julia, Illinois. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. If you enjoy listening to the show, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com.